Welcome to the My Baby Craniosacral Podcast, where I share stories of the babies I've treated, tips for professionals and parents, and demystify this amazing healing modality. I'm Megan Beams, your baby bodywork mentor. I'm obsessed with all things birth, babies, healing, and plain old being a human. Join me while I sink deep into craniosacral therapy. Also, hit subscribe so you never miss a thing. Now let's get into the episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the My Baby Craniosacral Podcast. I am your host, Megan Beams, and today we're doing a very brief history slash history of craniosacral therapy. We are going to go over some of the most important figures of biomechanical craniosacral therapy because that is the type that we do here at Beam CSC and at My Baby Craniosacral in Toronto. So we are going to go over those most important figures because biodynamic, which is another form of craniosacral therapy, they have different important figures for their development. And so we won't be going over those figures. If you're interested, you can look up biodynamic craniosacral therapy and find out who was the most important figures for that type of CST. So I know that a lot of people are saying, I'm just learning about this. Is it new? A lot of people think that it's a new form of healing, but let me assure you, it is older than most people might think. Okay. So just because some people are just learning about it doesn't mean it hasn't been around for decades slash centuries. So it has been developed over the past few centuries, that's correct, centuries, and even before that time. So we are going to look at Emanuel Swedenborg, Andrew Taylor Still, Charlotte Weaver, William Garner Sutherland, John Upledger, Carol Gray, and then me. (laughs) I can't believe I'm putting myself in that list, but here I am. I'm going to share that anyway. Okay, so let's start with Emanuel Swedenborg. This man was born in the 1600s, and he was the first known person in the 1700s to document and study the movement of the cranial bones. He believed that the brain grew and contracted or like expanded and contracted and moved the cranial bones. And he wrote a book from his studies called The Brain in 1743. Okay. And this included a description of four out of the five concepts that comprised William Gardner Sutherland's cranial concept. And we will get into William a little bit later on in the episode. So these concepts included the movement of the cranial bones. So this really helped William Gardner Sutherland in his studies, something that was written in the 1700s. The next person of interest is Andrew Taylor Still, and he is considered the father of osteopathy. So he helped his physician father treat the indigenous people of the Shawnee Nation, and there he learned to speak their language and their healing. And then around 1855, he was also a physician, but he began to question the medicine of the time. So his child became ill with meningitis, and at the time, it was still customary to do bloodletting and give medicine filled with mercury to babies and children. Okay. And so this child unfortunately passed. Now he wanted to know what killed his child. He wanted to figure out whether it was the disease or the medicine that was the cause of his child's death. And he believed wholeheartedly that there was a better way 
more natural way for people to heal. Now, when it comes to meningitis, no, I don't think that we can do CST in order to, or osteopathic treatments to help treat meningitis, but I digress. So he made it his life's mission to study natural healing. Thus, he founded the American School of Osteopathy, and that was back in 1892. So this is where his very first year he had, I think he had like 20 students, anywhere from 10 to 20 students in his school of osteopathy in the 1800s. And one of his students was Charlotte Weaver, and she is the next person of importance when it comes to biomechanical craniosacral therapy. So with Andrew Taylor still being believed as the father of osteopathy, Charlotte Weaver was considered the mother of osteopathy. She was a brilliant human. She did a lot of dissections on cadavers, and she really studied cranial bones. She also did dissections on infants and studied their cranial bones. And with this embryological development, right, so these infants who were still in the developing stage, she was able to dissect the sphenobasilar junction, where the occiput meets the sphenoid, and she believed that the dorsum celli process on the sphenoid bone, and then the sphenoid bone itself and the occiput, she believed that they are actually three specialized vertebrae. And so believed that osteopathic manual treatments could also be applied within the cranium. Whereas before, with Andrew Taylor still, most of his techniques were used on the body. And so she did a lot of studies on these cadavers and believed that they could, in the future, somehow develop treatment techniques within the cranium. Now, most of her work did fade into obscurity after her death, meaning not a lot of people really pay much attention to her work. However, it was incredibly important for the next person who we are going to talk about, and that is William Garner Sutherland. Now, he was also a student at the American School of Osteopathy, and Charlotte Weaver's research aided in his development of cranial osteopathy. And so that's where cranial osteopathy came in. And his focus was on the cranium, obviously. He found movement along the suture lines, and he found that by studying how the cranial bones fit together and how they might move if they were able to, whereas before they believed that the cranium was fused, right? So before this, they didn't think that anything was able to move within the cranium. And he just, he couldn't believe that. He wouldn't allow himself to believe that. And so he tested cranial movement on himself. And how did he do this? Well, I am told that he put two pieces of wood against his head, one on either side, and he held them together with vice grips. Mm Mm-hmm. So (laughs) these pieces of wood were on either side of his head, held together with vice grips, and he told his wife, okay, just leave me alone for a few hours, come back and check on me to make sure that everything's fine. And he could not believe how much his head hurt. He was like, well, listen, if I have these pieces of wood against my head with a vice grip, that means that it can't expand and contract and expand and contract, then because now I have a headache, well, something must be going on here. So he knew he was onto something. And so for 20 years, he developed releases within the cranium and between the suture lines, between the cranial bones. 
That's super cool. So this is very predominant in CST these days are these cranial releases. So the next person of interest or the person who produced some of the most impressive techniques within biomechanical craniosacral therapy is Dr. John Eppliger. He was a professor of biomechanics at the College of Osteopathic Medicine at the uh, Michigan State University. There he developed the biomechanical craniosacral therapy techniques that we use today. So the CST techniques that he developed focused on the cerebral spinal fluid that goes around the brain and along the spinal cord. He also developed techniques for the membranes that surround that fluid. This fluid surrounds the brain and it goes up and down that uh, spinal column in a wave-like motion. So it goes into the brain, fills the cranium, and then empties into the spinal column and all the way down to the sacrum in this rhythmic wave-like motion. And he found that if the membranes surrounding the brain and along the spinal cord, which also surrounded the cerebral spinal fluid, if they were tight, he found that that wave-like motion up and down and up and down. If they were tight, that wave-like motion was not very strong. And he believed that this would be a sign of poor health and low vitality. So his techniques were to improve mobility of the membranes so that this person could have a great craniosacral rhythm. And that's where the craniosacral comes in. Cranium right? So the cerebral spinal fluid goes around the cranium and empties down to the sacrum, craniosacral rhythm. So his techniques were all about fascial releases, finding areas of the body that could be having an effect on this CSR. CSR is craniosacral rhythm. And then also for the bones of the skull. So also cranial osteopathy type techniques. So he conducted his testing at the university level on his theories of cranial bone movement and craniosacral rhythm and the techniques that are used to improve the CSR. And these tests were used to substantiate the effectiveness of these techniques and also their benefits, right? He also was able to study children and infants, concussion, autism and meningitis. So all of these things, he and his team were able to study so that he could be like, yes, see, I'm not crazy. There's something we can do here. And so this is also to substantiate William Garner Sutherland, Charlotte Weber, A.T. Still, and even Emanuel Swedenborg in the 1700s. Now, he saw just how incredibly effective these techniques were. And he wanted to get this information out to the masses. He did not want to just teach more osteopaths how to do this. He he believed that this modality was so powerful and so meaningful and needed to be used on as many people as possible that he didn't want to just train osteopaths. He wanted to train more health practitioners much to the chagrin of other osteopaths who believed that elitism uh, was alive and well. They believed that, well, they're not osteopaths. Why would they be able to do this? And anyway, I'm really happy that John was able to do that because it has led me to my journey and many other health practitioners. And so this incredibly powerful healing modality 
can be used on more than just the people who seek osteopaths, which not a lot of people do. Well, I mean, a lot of people do, but I hear a lot more people going to the chiropractor side rather than the osteopaths. And so this split between the osteopaths and the chiropractors actually happened in the early 1900s. So if you want to read up on that too, there was a team of two. Mm, I'm going to, I didn't actually look this up before we went into this episode. So I might get this a little bit. You're going to have to fact check. There were two partners who were studying osteopathy. One believed that, you know, you needed to make sure that you were doing things gently and throughout the body and manipulating the body and the extremities. And the other believed that everything had to do with the spinal column and that you just needed to make sure that you just adjust the spinal column. So they had a differing path where they decided to go separately, go in their separate ways. Osteopaths one way, chiros the other. Again, fact check me on that one, but I'm pretty sure that's how it went. Okay, the next influential person, for me especially, is Carol Gray. She's the owner of the Carol Gray Center for CST Studies in Portland, Oregon. She is a licensed massage therapist. She's a retired midwife and a craniosacral therapist. Now, she studied with Upledger, and she was going to develop a program for him for infant craniosacral therapy. But she was offered a preceptorship to become a midwife. And so she chose to go in that direction instead. And I'm happy for that because midwifery gave her a new perspective on craniosacral therapy for infants because she was able to develop her techniques with the infant's experience in mind, right? So that birth experience, that time in utero, and how that would have an effect on their body, their psyche, their cranium. And all of those different things that are really important to understand and know when it comes to treating infants. And she opened her own academy to teach these techniques. And I gratefully was able to go and take her training in 2018. I was hooked from the very first minute. I really believed that I wasn't going to be able to do it. I thought that this was something that only people who had like magical powers would be able to do. But no, that's incorrect. And so she believes that anyone is able to do craniosacral therapy if they're willing and open. And she is willing to teach anyone who wants to learn this modality because there is no competition out there. There are truly not enough craniosacral therapists. So she also, just like John Upledger, wants as many people out there to do this healing modality to make the world a better place. She believes that we can end war by treating infants right after birth. We hold so much anger, resentment, anxiety, depression from our birth experience. And she believes that we can help people heal that birth experience so we can have a better outlook on life. And I'm very much a believer. Yeah, I believe her. (laughs) I'm a believer. I believe her. Oh gosh, my dad jokes. So bad. Okay. So the very last person on this list is myself. I guess I could talk about myself because why not? I named my school after myself because all of the other men out there who have schools like the Upledger, like the Burrell, like the Gillespie, they all named their school after themselves. And so I, me, Megan Beams, am naming my school after myself. Okay, so the BMCST Training Center, that one was a big one for me. 
I was trying to think of all of these different names and things that I could use to explain craniosacrotherapy. And the only thing I wanted out of all of the names that I brainstormed was my own last name, because I think it's the coolest. (laughs) Anyway, I will just share a little bit about my journey. Uh, Not that you haven't heard about it before in previous episodes, but I believe that becoming a craniosacral therapist was the best thing I ever did. So in 2015, I became a registered massage therapist, and then I did the CST training in 2018. And since then, I have treated over 800 babies and families, let's say. I have over 2,500 sessions completed. I opened the Beam CST Training Center in 2020, and we have more than 100 graduates by the end of 2023. I am so incredibly proud of all of the people who have taken these classes and who are now also doing craniosacrotherapy in their community. A hundred people. I'm hoping that those hundred people are doing craniosacrotherapy. Tell me if you're not. If you took a class and you're listening to this podcast and you are not treating people with craniosacrotherapy, please send me an email because I want to help you. So the techniques I'm using in our trainings within the BMCSC Training Center are biomechanical techniques. I am also using some energy release. So working with energy and really because energy is everything, literally everything moves, everything has a vibration and so do our bodies. So we are working with that energy. We are working with the biomechanical aspects of the human body. And we are working with the polyvagal theory. We are also working with reflex integration. We are working with understanding the dyad between baby and parents. And I I want this to be a very well-rounded, holistic approach to CST. Now, I don't believe that CST is everything. I believe that CST is a perfect conjunct to the training that one already has. So it is a conjunctive healing modality. It should be used with movement. It should be used with therapy. It should be used with uh, strengthening techniques. It should be used with stimulating techniques like reflex integration. It should be used with so many other things. And that, I believe, just like Dr. Upledger says, that this is a conjunctive healing modality. Thank you for listening all the way to the end of this episode. I hope that you were able to learn something and get a better idea of what it is that we do here at Beam CST and within My Baby Craniosacral. This is a longer episode than I normally do, but thank you again for listening. Have a wonderful day. Hey, before you go, my Craniosacral Foundation's virtual only course is open for enrollment. That's right you can learn craniosacral from your very own home. Whether you're a health professional working in the perinatal world, a manual therapist looking to expand your current practice to include craniosacral, or helping babies and families is your passion, there's something in this course for you. You can significantly change the lives of the people in your community. And when you register, you'll have immediate access to the course materials so you can get learning right away with three three-hour live virtual classes to help guide you through the curriculum and an online community of fellow classmates and alumni, this program is here to support you every step of the way. Registration closes soon, so follow the link in the show notes, and I look forward to seeing you in class. 